Welcome to Rugged Matrix USA, episode 17, Catch Up. Hello, I'm your host, Jero Sen, with Bruce McLean. Just the two of us tonight as we go through all things happening in Super League and other news in American rugby. Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix USA episode 17. It's just myself, Jiro San, and Bruce McLean this week. G'day, Bruce. How you doing, Jiro? Yeah, we decided to do a, do a show by ourselves and see how it goes. There's a lot of things happening in USA rugby. Probably not worthy of having an interview, and uh, we'll get Eddie O'Sullivan next week for an interview. All right, uh, look forward to that. And, of course, Eddie is uh, having his own dramas, trying to get back from Ireland with the volcanic eruption in Iceland, so it's affecting a lot of things at the moment, and in the sporting world as well. Yeah, Eddie was supposed to be at our game against Old Blue this weekend and got kind of cancelled because he went home for a week and was supposed to come come back and just kind of got ashed in. I, I guess I've never really heard that. This snowed in, is <laughs> rain delay, but I never really heard somebody ashed in, so he is ashed in Ireland. Well, when and I heard there was a... Uh, a volcano or something erupting in the northern hemisphere causing chaos. I thought it was you. Well, there might have been something <laughs> erupting. Cause I'll tell you, actually, pretty funny story. I was, uh, we just got out of a selection meeting, Talks and I, because it's, it's, it's Monday night as we, as we do the show. It's a little after 11, and we're eating sushi and, and making selections because we have to fly this weekend, and for whatever reason, we don't have a Friday morning where we can make our our name changes and we have a bunch of injuries. So then I'm I'm getting out and I'm coming over here to do the show and 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 I and I see a Mr. Softy truck which is a which is an ice cream <laughs> truck. I don't know if you ever heard it on Eddie Murphy's Delirious like I pull up next to the Mr. Softy truck and I wave into the window <laughs> and I he's like uh, and I you know making like I want to eat something and he's like yeah so I pull him over and I get him and I get it get my ice cream cone and then I come over to do the show, and I had like a couple minutes, so I went into a Seven Eleven, and I got a Hagen Dazs bar. Oh. <laughs> so there might be some volcanic ash coming out of me after the uh, between the sushi and the ice cream and uh, and uh, and a cup of coffee. So well, you you should be yeah, pepped this, up, ready to go anyway. I'm definitely pepped up and ready to go. Is that Bronco? It was a really big weekend. Big weekend for your boy, you and Mackenzie. Oh, the link. And, how great was that? That it, was a terrific. We got it live here, and and you know obviously because I had emailed you right after the game, and I I might have emailed you thirty seconds to go, mm. and like how great was that? That was unbelievable. And you were saying off, off air before the show that the you, your feeling about the Northern Hemisphere club teams, you you don't think that they could have gone down there and played against them? They, they would have been out on their feet. It was it was nine was it nineteen twelve or something like that? Yeah, it was, it was a, a really hot. A, it was a hot night. And the pace was uh, unbelievable. But I, I sent a tweet out on the night, and, and I sent a text to Ewan as well. And I, I can tell you, your email came in on the iPhone, and it was running hot. And I, I know we're sort of um, you know diverging here a bit, but it's a good lesson for anyone in rugby. And I'm glad to see it was shown in the States. But it was a victory on the night for uh, attitude and tactics. Clearly, 100%. The guy went in with a game plan. They executed it very, very well. Wasn't perfect, but was pretty good. Because don't forget, you can't execute a perfect game plan when you're playing against a really, really good team like the Bulls. They're going to do their best to undermine you. But 
in, in terms of executing a game plan, which is running them ragged, not kicking the ball out. It takes a lot of discipline not to kick the ball out. As you know, uh, Bruce, it's hard to hard to ram that home and get a, a team to play for, for, for 80 minutes like that. But it was, was also a determination and attitude thing. So congratulations to you. And I think he showed the way how to beat the Bulls, but he also showed that good coaching and, and, and good attitude gets you a long way. Well, good a- attitude is everything when it comes to rugby. But on top of that, the players had the guts to stick with the game plan. And it was not an easy thing to do. There were, there were times in that game when it would have been an easier and safer option to kick the ball off the park. And they really ran it. And they ran it with purpose. And they also they did something like a little zigzag down the – hit the 15 channel – then went just outside the 15, then hit the channel again, then went just outside the 15. And when it was on, they moved it. But they, they were they were excellent in their recycling. They were disciplined in not committing penalties. And they played a, an outstanding game. When, but when you look at it that way, you got to say that even though they played an outstanding game and really did a lot of good things, the Bulls still had a chance to tie it at the end. And they they had an excellent goal line stand. Well, that's because on top of everything. you're playing against the best provincial team in the world. The Bulls are clearly the best team. Well, that's a debate we'll have with <laughs> with the winners of the Heineken Cup. But the Queenslanders have come from basically rock bottom within a period of six months or so to now challenge the top teams. They've now beaten the Crusaders, who are above them on the ladder. They've now beaten the Bulls, who are above them on the ladder. And this weekend, they face the Stormers from Cape Town, who are also above them on the ladder. If they can do that, well, what a turnaround. So they, I think, always got to take the opposition into account in any analysis. Oh, and, and there's no doubt about it. And also, they, you know, they've been taken to the bell by some, some very good teams, too, and they've lost games on the bell. So not, not only have they performed well against teams that, that are above them on the ladder, they've also have... They've taken other teams to the bell, like the Waratahs and things like that. They've had some very disappointing losses over the course of the season, and they are 20 years old. The whole the whole team is. I think there's a couple guys in their 30s, but for average the most age part, is uh, 20, 24. Take Van Humphreys is about 100 out of the team, and they come back to 23. So that team has great potential going forward. So Bruce, let's talk about USA rugby. Bronc USA rugby. This is the big weekend in USA collegiate rugby oh yes they have they have what is known as a sweet 16 and this i'm talking to you like i'm talking (laughs) they have what's known. everybody who's listening knows is a sweet 16 and there were some outstanding games that happened and who came out of it at the end was there were really no shocks there byu came out they're going to the big four army came out they're going to the big four Arkansas State came out, who was a little bit of a surprise. We'll talk about that. They're going to the Big Four. And the perennial powerhouse, Cal Berkeley, was very dominant, and they will go to the Big Four as well. BYU beat a very strong University of Delaware team, 33-13 to in the opening round. And Syracuse... Syracuse was defeated by University of Arizona 25-20, and then BYU pretty much, as expected, wiped out University of Arizona 46-10. Now, University of Utah, who was playing some tremendous rugby, beat Texas A&M 36-34. Now, earlier in the season, Utah had beaten Texas A&M about, it was probably 36-9, and they they were fighting tooth and nail to win that game. 
well as while Army, who was in the same bracket, beat the University of Tennessee 46 to 10, was a relatively comfortable win. And Tennessee's a pretty powerful team. And going into that next day, after Utah had to work so hard, Army beat them 31 to 24 in double overtime. Crazy stuff. And <laughs> on the Army team is is uh, Rob Holder's son Will. Congratulations to them, Justin Hunley, who is a player for the New York Athletic Club, is one of their assistant coaches, and so we're very proud of those guys, and we are very proud of Utah, too. Blake Burdett, their coach, used to play for the New York Athletic Club, won the championship in 2008 with us, and uh, and one of our players, um, Mike Judzak from Xavier High School, was playing for the University of Utah, so we're very proud of those guys. San Diego State beat Bowling Green the Midwest top seed, 32-15. to 15. And then Arkansas State beat St. Mary's. Our boys at St. Mary's, Tim O'Brien and John Everett, they beat them 29-23 to 23 in a very, very, very tight game. And then Arkansas State upset San Diego State 17-10 to 10 to go to the Big Four. San Diego State is coached by Matt Sherman, who is the USA backs coach. And that was a very big win by Arkansas State. I think that's the first time that a South team has been in the in the Big Four in quite a while. Penn State University beats LSU 31-25. And Penn State was down for a lot of that game and came back and played them tough. Cal Berkeley had to play UCLA, and it was a 65-32 game. Cal Berkeley essentially was able to play their second team in that game. I don't they might have played one or two first first line players and then they went in and played Penn State the following day in one sixty one nineteen relatively comfortably. So going forward we're gonna see Cal play Arkansas State, Army play BYU. Army BYU should be an interesting game. Cal Arkansas State should be a pretty interesting game too. Arkansas State played BYU who won the championship last year. They played them very tough in the round of sixteen so we'll see how Arkansas State stacks up against Cal. My, my gut feeling there is that Cal Berkeley is going to win the game comfortably because Cal Berkeley beat St. Mary's relatively comfortably, and St. Mary's took Arkansas State pretty tight, and Cal Berkeley beat San Diego State pretty comfortably. But that was a very tough bracket, and the University of Utah with Army was a very tough bracket. And, uh, you know, congratulations to Arkansas State and, and Army for getting out of those brackets. And like I said, I think Cal's going to take Arkansas State. The BYU-Utah game, the BYU-Army game should be very interesting because BYU beat Utah once this season and BYU recently lost to Utah. So Army versus BYU could be a game where we might see the Black Knights upset them. And then we go to the USA Rugby women and I'm not going to go through the full hit of that. There's been a lot of a lot of craziness that's been no, going just, on. Yeah, just pick out the highlights, mate. Yeah, Penn State's going to be going into into the Final Four with Army, and then Brown is going to play Stanford. The interesting thing about going forward this year is that it's essentially been Penn State and Stanford have been incredibly dominant, and I think that Stanford's probably going to do a pretty good number on Brown. I'm not positive, but I, I think they'll do a pretty good number on them. And then Penn State versus Army should be a decent game in the semifinal. And then we'll see, probably we'll see the Penn State-Stanford game again. And who knows, and we'll see what goes on there. Then we go to the Super League, my friend. Ah, yes. Ah, yeah. This was the weekend where the New York Athletic Club played the Old Blue Rugby Club. 
And I'll tell you, I don't know what the heck was happening with the New York Athletic Club, but we leaked in four tries. One of them was well-earned, and three of them were on our mistakes. <laughs> uh, 50 to 32, and it was actually a pretty good game of rugby. Old Blue's got a, got a pretty good back line. They got a guy named Luke Hume. I believe he's Australian. He's, uh, he's quite gifted. And another guy named Todd Fisher and Ben Sadgrove, a couple Australian boys that they got there who, were, who make some waves. But we were able to smack them around a bit in the scrum, and we were able to put seven tries on them. It was just tied at halftime, and in all reality, we, we don't know how. Um, <laughs> but, but they play it. Every time we go to their field and play them, they play us tough. They give us a game, and, and for crying out loud, they certainly had us on pins and needles for a while on that one. Life University went to the Boston Irish Wolfhounds, and they won 23-7 to and did not come away with a bonus point. That's Dan Payne's team. And I actually was in shock that they didn't come away with a bonus point. And that put us at the New York Athletic Club in sole possession of first place, kind of in control of our own destiny. And that's pretty good. Boston Rugby Club beat Charlotte 38-0. And we play Charlotte next week. So I took a look at the Boston-Charlotte game. And it was kind of an evenly matched game for a 38-0 victory. I was talking to Tolkien after, like... It didn't seem like the score of that game was 38 nothing. Charlotte actually is a pretty good team. They just mm. beat they beat themselves so badly and we couldn't understand exactly what was happening. But Boston Boston has a way of playing good defense, living on mistakes, and that and that's how they do things. And then we go over to the Western Conference. At the bottom of the barrel was the Ombak team out of San Diego who we're not used to saying Ombaks at the bottom of the barrel. They're usually at the top of the table. But they lost 40-36 to to Chicago Lions. Now, the last time the Lions have had a season like this was 2004, and and they were 1-5 or 1-6 one, or one over that season. It actually was 1-6. And, and then they went to three semifinals in a row. So I think that Marty Wiggins going to get, you know, he's kind of trying to find his team. And I think Jason Wood's trying to find his team down at Ombak. They're both very young, and it, I think they're trying to give themselves a little bit of blood. Dave Hodges' old team, the Denver Barbarians, beat the Chicago Griffins 26-23. to And Denver was up 26-3 at halftime. The Griffins, have, they have a lot of pace. They have a lot of power. And, and they are a very explosive team with Kiki and Suniula in the midfield. And, and they came back and, and almost were able to win that game and pick up a valuable bonus point on the road. And then Golden Gate whitewashed Dallas 59-22. It really looks like Golden Gate is going to be the team to beat there in the final. And and actually, the final of the Super League has moved to the Golden Gate facility. So not only probably will they go to the final, they will probably be the home team. Looking forward, you look, Golden Gate's in sole possession of first place in the Red Conference, which is the Western Conference, with 20 points. Denver Barbarians... Uh, have 20 points as well, but they lost to Golden Gate, so Golden Gate has a game in hand. Puget Sound is at 15, Chicago Griffins at 14. I don't see the Lions, the Harlequins, or, or Ombak being able to press for a playoff spot there. Um, in my conference in the East, the AC, we're fortunate we are on top. Mm, only just, 20. though. Only just, but you know what it does is – is if we're able to go to Charlotte this week and, and, and pick up a bonus point victory, which would be a bit presumptive because it's not an easy place to go play, 
is that it gives us it gives us a point in hand when we play life, and in the event we tie them, we'll be in first place. So the, the fact that life didn't get a bonus point and we did is is, is pretty valuable. So oh, that, that that's one that that's one game I'm looking forward to, Bruce. A full that, that actually is that is that is a game I am looking forward to too, too as well. But I, I yeah, and but I can't be looking too forward to it because Charlotte has been known to give us a, a bit of trouble, and and so we're gonna have to start fast against them. I think that if you start fast. And, and you get your points and you get on a roll, I think you're all right. But if you let them have a sniff and make them feel like they're in a game, their mm-hmm. home field is a pretty tough place to play. I've never played at their home field. They've always come up to us. But I'll tell you, every single person that we've spoken to said it's not an easy place to go and play. It is a definite home field advantage. The crowd is there. It's in the middle of the woods. They have a nice facility, a clubhouse. There's nothing but Charlotte fans. You're there. You're very alone, and 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 if you are not ready to play, it's a very very lonesome place. So that's that's something we'll be we'll be looking at. And then, and then down the down the other end, it's a huge game for Charlotte. They need to come away with something against the AC, and really they kind of need a win. And then we got Pack and the Wolfhounds. The Wolfhounds are really pulling up the rear. It's it's an interesting season, and there was a there's a guy who plays for the Wolfhounds named Peter Bracken, and he played in the Magners League, played in played in the Guinness Premiership, and he's playing tight head prop for the Wolfhounds now, and he was saying that the did an article just this week that the standard of play in the Super League is very similar to the All Ireland League First Division, and we have a guy who played in the All Ireland League First Division, and we were like, "No, it's not. Not this year. It's not anyway." Um, there, there's a massive disparity in the Super League, and it and it's not to the standard that we probably want it to be. Now, the Golden Gate team and the Life team, and probably the Denver Barbarians, and and sometimes the Chicago Griffins, and probably sometimes Puget Sound. And sometimes the Athletic Club, but I think Life and Golden Gate are really the only teams that play consistently at at, at a very high level, and everybody else is is kind of pretty spotty. So I I, I think that that was a I think right. that was a rich statement, or that was a statement just said that it, it you know kind of to make people feel good about it. Yeah, I was going to say is he just trying to be nice? It wasn't true. I think he was trying to be nice because it wasn't true. At least it wasn't true this year. There have been times when it's. It's never been true top to bottom, let's put it that way. Bruce, uh, you talked about you leaking some points. So what are you, what are you going to work on this week? Well, you know what, Bronk? It was really strange. We leaked points for this in, in, in the silliest kind of ways. We had, a, we had a scrum. There were four scrums in a row, and we drove Old Blue back probably eight or ten yards each time. And I mean, when I say that, I'm not exaggerating. And then we drove them back. Their eight picks goes left. Mm. We had three guys on top of him. He offloads to a wing, and the guy goes 35 yards and scores a try. Then we – now, we're dominating scrums. And when I say dominating, it, 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 it that's, that's an understatement. We're down at their 10-yard line with a scrum, and we come early. Free kick. Fullback kicks it about 50 yards downfield. 
something happens in the lineout. We commit some stupid penalty. Then they, they kick it to the 22. Four-man lineout off the top. Boom. Hit Ben Sadgrove, the Aussie, the Aussie second row. He's under the sticks untouched. I mean, untouched. <laughs> nine, ten, nine, ten to him under the sticks untouched. And what, what the heck happened there? Then another one off a driven scrum. They just fling it, and the winger scores. It was just, it was absolutely unbelievable. And and it, I think it's a matter of when we go up and we try to make a play that when the people in behind aren't necessarily organized. Now, I know Blue did score one very well-worked try. They scored a well-worked try through several, several phases, kicked in behind us, and and the guy fell on it in the back of the end zone. That was that was pretty good back of the try zone. But it was a pretty good um, – that was a pretty good effort on their part. So uh, what we need to work on, Bronk, is is, is we, we need to avoid being beat up the guts and we need to play – very, very, very standard, solid defense. And I think that what's happening is that we practice a lot of things where there's a lot of confusion around the around the breakdown area. Say, I, some guys call it guard A B, pillar A B. We call it one, two, three, four, five. Some guys call it, you know, the first defenders one, two, three, four, and we just work out from there. But in that two, three, four spot, we're not necessarily understanding our roles and understanding when we need to add line speed and when we need to play a little bit softer and, and, and stretch things out and, and let things happen in front of us and push them and push them and push them. So we, we kind of have to figure that part of our game out. And the other thing that, that when we go in and we take contact and find a seam, score to try, rip it back, very much like the South Africans are doing – we're extremely effective. When we go in and we start turning early, then we allow other teams to slow our ball up. But when we go in and we're disciplined in our ball placement in the contact area, we're very tough to stop. We can play through a lot of phases and we can score tries. But when we slow ourselves down, we just we beat ourselves. And and there's nobody to blame about it but our own selves. And that, so those are those are some of the things we're working on. On top of the fact that. Trying to put in a little bit of a full line out. We generally run off of shortened line outs and we're trying to add a little bit more mauling to our game just so that we're not so much that we're going to use it as much, but so that we're more of a complete team. And that when, when, when you play us, you can't just assume that we're going to throw something out the window or we're not going to use it. We're going to have everything in our repertoire. And it's just taking us time to get it all in. Fair enough. Uh... Bruce, we're going to uh, keep this one short today without a guest, but just quickly, uh, when we return uh, with a guest next week, uh, the intention is to have the Eagles national coach in Eddie O'Sullivan. Um, Some of the things we need to cover with him uh, obviously include what he thought of the Easter camp. Um, Obviously, we've heard uh, from the forwards coach about that, but we want to hear from the main man. Yeah, we're definitely going to cover the Easter camp and what he thought of that. We'll also try to cover what he's thinking of the players. We'll speak to him about what's happening with the players overseas and how he sees them fitting into the program. They do have a camp coming up on May 8th as well, so we'll talk to him about that camp. There's a bye week between the finish of the Super League, which is on May 1st, 
and the first round of the playoffs, which is on May 15th. And on that weekend, they'll be using they'll be using that for an Eagle camp as well. So, be good to talk about that. Talk about what his goals are in that camp. Obviously, in the first camp, he was looking at defense and contact area. Is he going to have more of a focus on restarts? Is he going to focus on set piece? Or is he going to continue the focus to be on defense, contact area, possibly patterns of play and things like that? And when he gets his full squad together, is he going to concentrate on the set piece at that point? Now, you know, again, we'll, we'll hear about that from the main man himself. But, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that conversation and, and seeing. I also would like to see where the America's Rugby Championship, our ARC, our financial boondoggle that you have had in an ARC down in Australia. But we, we're, we'll talk to him about what he sees the role of the ARC being and how, and how that's going to work into our plans. And we'll probably talk to him a little bit about the Churchill Cup because I, I don't think we'll talk – we may talk to him just before it and, or we may talk to him just after, the, just after the camp that they have on May 8th. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this will be – actually, if, if any of the listeners have any ideas or, or anything that they'd like to talk to Eddie about as far as really anything – tactically, technically, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, or just talking about players or in, or anything that they want to ask. But we'll 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 give them we'll give them a hit on what you say. Um yeah, just yeah. Uh, send us an email the contacts uh, form is available on the site. Um so we'll do all that. Before we go, a quick mention about Zina Gwenya playing for Biritz last weekend. What a brilliant try down the right-hand side. Did you see that, Bruce? It was unbelievable. He didn't leave the five meter channel. Unbelievable. He burned Shane Williams like he he burned Shane Williams like he was me. <laughs> it was unreal. With an ice cream in hand. He might have burned he burned burned Shane Williams like he was me with two ice creams in hand. It was it was it was insane. I I thought that that try was was as an individual effort was on par with almost anything you've seen in an individual effort in a club game. Oh. It was ins- it was crazy. Well, we're talking it, uh, qu- you know, quarterfinal of uh, of the Heineken Cup. Quarterfinal of the Heineken Cup and beating Shane Williams. Exactly. You know, you weren't talking. This wasn't a mismatch. This, you know, like when he beat Habana, that wasn't a mismatch. They, so, and I was and, 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 and that, enough, that, that was the end of it. That was a that was a real team try. But this was pure uh, solo uh, gold. Yeah. Funnily enough, I was talking to Mike Tolkien tonight, and then, and then the subject of the Eagles did come up, and he said, you know, the wing position is going to be very interesting on the Eagles because you have Z, and you have Chris Wiles playing for Saracens, who's playing very well. Mm. You also have Kevin Swearin, the star of Sevens team, who's also, and he said a lot of people think Kevin's a good midfielder, and he goes, and I think Kevin's a good midfielder as well, but he said. Kevin also is a very, very good wing, and he knows how to play wing, and he gets it. And he's like, while he is an excellent midfielder, it's very valuable to have a guy who knows how to play wing. Because if you have a crappy wing, the team, the opposition team can pick on you all day long, and, and they can just find them and, and score points because the guy is incompetent. And... He said, he said, so that position becomes very, very interesting 
because there's a little bit of depth there that possibly people don't know about. Mm. So, and I think that the big question moving forward for the Eagles is going to be who's the fly half. And I, and I think that that's something, that's a place where we could probably talk to Eddie and say, Eddie, what are you doing about fly half? Well, who's it going to be? Yeah, what, do you, fair you know, enough. what do you think? And I think that, that that's going to be a critical, critical place for him to, uh, to him to have to deal with that situation. Um, what's the plan heading into the, the World Cup, Bruce? Do you know? Like in, the, in the months leading into it? The months leading into the World Cup, I think that what they're going to try to do is get two matches against Canada, one match against uh, one of the European sides, and and then go. Okay. Now, I'm not positive. Eddie will be able to tell us on that. And I think that going into the World Cup, and again, this isn't this is not them talking. This is me. I would be targeting the Russia game for for an absolute victory, and I would be targeting the Italy game for the possible second victory. The other the other teams we're playing are Australia and Ireland, and I think that from a matchup standpoint, that we'll we'll struggle to match up against Italy, but but we can, that we can put people out there that can match up against them and 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 on our day play them. We will struggle to put people on the field who can match up and defeat Ireland, and 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 we'll we probably will not we'll have no chance to match up and and defeat Australia. Agreed. Uh, but I will, uh, as much as I love uh, Les Kiss from Ireland, I'm yet to be convinced about the qualities when it comes to down under and we'll get a really good idea uh, when they do tour later in the year you got to remember though that from from an irish perspective that on the lions tour the irish players did well and and the irish players certainly did not disappoint on the lions tour and had scott berger been called for a red card when he gouged Earl's eyes, that third test means something. Because there's no way the South Africans would have beat them with 14 men. They gave up, I think, 10 or 14 points in the 10 minutes that Berger was off the field. And I think that had had uh, Christoph Berdoff had English as his primary language, that Scott Berger would not have been on the field. Hmm. He would have been yeah. red carded. Agreed. Um, <clears throat> but when it comes to World Cup winners, the ultimate winner, it is there's a clear pattern that emerges that the team uh, a year out sweeps all that's before them. So we will get a good idea who is really leading the charge uh, in a couple of months' time. Because well, England, yeah, did, it, England I... did it, Australia did it, South Africa did it. Uh, you go back through all the tournaments and you don't just all of a sudden become the World Championship team. You, you are heading into the World Cup a year, 18 months out, really smoking. Well, I think that, I think that this World Cup, it, if it's refereed the way that they want things to go, that you're going to see some teams, there should be more competition for a chance to win this championship. I really look at a team like France who won a Grand Slam but never really played 80 minutes of rugby. And had they played 80 minutes of rugby, and, and when France starts to play 80 minutes of rugby, that 
they're going to be a team that you could look at as a possible World Cup winner. The New Zealanders, I think it's going to be a real problem that they don't have Carl Heyman. And, and I think that they really may even look to say, do you play people outside of the Super 14 system and allow them to play on the All Blacks? I, I think that he's that valuable and that there are players out there who play in the Northern Hemisphere that they may want to consider a guy like a Doug Howlett, maybe not at that point, but or a Maffini Mafi. And I'm just and I'm just throwing out names of players that can possibly, you know, that are not within the all black system because they're not playing in the Super Fourteen. And Carl Heyman to me would be the quintessential one because he is the best tight head prop in the world. And they say that the Australian scrum's gotten better and a lot of things you know, everybody's gotten better. Nobody's played Heyman. Hmm. And and regardless of what anyone says, there is a difference. He is the best. What what he's doing with Newcastle, and granted, they are in games, and, and the games that they're winning, they're winning on the back of a tight head prop. It's, and that's unbelievable. He is He's that much better than everybody in world rugby. And worth, it's not even close. worth every pound they paid for him, and they were, it was a hell of a lot. Yeah, and now now he's down in Toulon, and 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 that. But you know, like the South Africans, they use players. They're willing to use players who are not playing in South Africa, and 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 the Australians haven't been decimated as badly. But you know, when Rocky Elson left, I think that there were people thinking, well, maybe we got to use some people from the Northern Hemisphere. And Vickerman's up there, and and the Australians may need to consider using people from the Northern Hemisphere. But I I think when you're looking forward, I think South Africa. Australia, New Zealand, they're all going to be contenders. And then I think France is going to be a real contender. There are some problems with the Irish game and, and the fact that some of their guys are getting a bit long in the tooth and, and, and are, they, is, are they holding on for that extra, mm. Will they make that extra it? year? Yeah. Are they going to be able to make it? Hmm. Can the front five move and play defense the way they need to? Not so sure about that. What do they have coming up? They do actually have a, a bit of talent coming up, but the, the bugaboo for... Ireland is tight head prop. You know, John Hayes is a great line-out lifter. He'll do anything for you. He's just not a great scrummager. And 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 that and that and that it's tough to cover something like that. So it's it is going to be, and I agree. I think this will be one of the more open World Cup contests we'll see, uh, which is good for the game. Uh, Bruce, Bruce, they can't have a World Cup like two thousand seven. No, no, I mean, South Africa no. Essentially- Robbie, Robbie Dean said that. He said uh, when when we he appeared on Rugger Matrix International, he said it was a disaster, and the game cannot afford another 07. And and when you look at it, South Africa went and won the World Cup and didn't beat anybody. Correct. And they got nothing for it. Well, look how far Argentina advanced for by not playing rugby. They didn't yeah, play rugby. But I'm saying South Africa got nothing for winning that World Cup. Well, actually, Argentina did play rugby. The one time they played it was against South Africa when they shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, correct. <I'm> correct. <laughs> they actually tried to play rugby against South Africa and lost because they beat that'll, themselves. That'll earn them. That'll but, earn but them. That, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, like South Africa won a World Cup and nobody cares. Nobody respects that as, as like this greatest team ever. They really don't. They, they don't look at it as something that was an unbelievable... The South Africa team beating the Lions, I think, gave South Africa a lot more respect... Winning the Tri-Nations gave South Africa a lot more respect 
than yeah, that, winning that, the World Cup. They were a good team, but I agree that uh, that the World Cup didn't add the polish to it. It, it. it wasn't a tournament that was as hard fought as uh, as a tournament like the Tri Nations uh, or the Lion Series. Now that they were I mean, really big tests of a rugby team. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine like what what was South South Africa must have been in in seventh heaven when they play England in their in their pool match, win by thirty five points. Then they get then they play a quarterfinal against Fiji, and and who actually played very well in that quarterfinal. Then they moved on and played a semifinal against Argentina. I mean, if you if you could have if they could have bought anybody out of the France, Ireland, and Argentina bracket, they would have picked Argentina, possibly Ireland, but they you know they certainly wouldn't have wanted France. And then they um, and then they go into the final and the World Cup final. Is is France knocks off New Zealand and England knocks off France and they that was like handed to them on a silver platter, <laughs> and and they didn't have to and they, and they didn't do it in style and they didn't so I don't I don't think South Africa really, you know oh, yes great performance unbelievable thing but you know well, at the they end did of the that, day they did what they had to do they did what they had they, to do yeah that's that's all but they didn't do any more either no they didn't do more than they had to do, and and so they didn't do it in style like if the All Blacks played England in that final. They would have wiped the floor with them. It, what I'm saying is that type of team. They would have wiped the floor with them, and they would have made it. They would have stamped something on saying, "We won the World Cup," mm. which we makes it, it makes a good change for New Zealand. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, like the Australians in '99 <laughs> when they wiped the floor with France. When, when they wiped the floor with France in the final. Yeah, well, France had played they their made big a game. State- France had played their big game in the semi against New Zealand, so... You know what? They they, they made a statement. Hmm. They wiped the floor with them. They did. They and it certainly was clear, did. it was unequivocal, and, and they wiped the floor with them. And it was um, not the end, but uh, probably three-quarters of the way through of a golden era for that team. So it was, it was well done, it was well planned, and uh, the end of an era for a lot of great players. So, Bruce... Um, uh, we will get into more detail with uh, the head coach next week if he can get around the volcanic action. Maybe he has to fly around to the US the, long, have to go the play, long way. Via, you. <laughs> via Australia. Oh, yes. I don't know if you'd have to go to the Southern Hemisphere, but we could take it down well. to Randwick. He's going to be down there. Randwick and watch a few games at Coogee. So, yeah, he can, go down to, he can go down and see the West Harbour Parramatta game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Penrith are playing where uh, Parramatta this weekend, so I know you'd love oh, to yeah. be here for that one out at uh, <laughs> out at uh, Penrith. They do Penrith a fantastic emu. They do a gr- yeah, it's a it's a local derby weekend, and uh, oh, that'll be that'll be amazing. What's it going to be? Eight or nine people there? Uh, no, no, there's there's heaps out there because the emu burger is just something to die for. Hey, <laughs> you know what? All I know about emus is from the Wiggles. <laughs> and it's part of a dance. Oh, like, do the emu. Or... <laughs> All right, mate. We better wind things right. up. Uh, thanks for your time again, Bruce. Uh, you know you got a busy week. Um, and uh, get the boys fine-tuned again after a couple of tries led in last week. But we look forward to Eddie O'Sullivan next week. All right, Bruce. Cheers, mate. Have a good one, Bronco. <laughs>